0: It's good to see you all. I know it's an Eid break and a a lot of our family out of town, but for those of you who have made it to church today, well done. Well done. It's really good to be here. Are you happy to be here? It's good. I'm going to use this opportunity to welcome all of those who are joining us online today. Um, Our family welcomes you. We wish you were here, but wherever you are in the world, we just want to bless you and we declare God's love and um, abundant life over you. It's really good. And also everybody here, I want to declare over you God's abundant love and life over you. That God will protect you. That no matter what is happening in the city or the nation with, with, a, with regards to a virus or pandemic or whatever, that you're protected, your body is healed. I just declare over you today that a disease will think twice before it touches your body. You know, we are currently on a series called Mystical Community, and today the title of my message is The Father's Embrace. Last week we started a series of talks on the Father. Are you enjoying it? When we look at our lives and we look at the things that we go through in our lives. When we have to look at the root of what we're going through. Not the expression of what it has become. The root cause of most of the issues in our life. We can boil it down to this one thing called fatherlessness. Most of the issues in our lives is because we have believed in the psychology of our mindset. We have believed that God is, as a father, is far from us. And we need to do things in order for us to be connected to the father. We need to be, we need to appease the father. We need to get Closer to Him. Somehow we've believed that this God is angry. He's upset. I mean, just think about this. The mistakes that happened in Israel over 2,000 or maybe 3,000, 5,000 years ago. People till today are still afraid of that God. And we believe that we have to do things in order to appease God. But I have news for you that when Jesus came into the earth, he removed that revelation that God is a father who is distant. But actually God, this almighty creator of heaven and earth and and all the things that God is attributed to, he doesn't need you to do things to appease him. that God looks at your life today from a a position that there is no distance. There is no separation. In fact, you don't need to do anything in order to appease this God. In fact, now because of Jesus, He has now become your heavenly father. He has become your heavenly father. And for most of us, we have had, you know, earthly dads and earthly mums, and we've had parents and, and we've thought that God as a father is similar to what my earthly mom and dad are like. And even though we've come into church, we've gotten saved, we believe Jesus as a Lord and Savior, we're in the kingdom of God and we're, we're born again, we're in the kingdom of God and we've now, we're chosen as children of God, we still continue to behave according to the patterns that our earthly mom and dad or grandparents have set before us. The way our grandparents behaved with our parents and brought them up They brought us up the same way and now we've set the next generation up to behave in the same way so the next generation will basically do the same things that we have done and the generations before us and there's an issue with it and it's called being fatherless and brought up without being connected directly to your heavenly father. And so Jesus now, from last week, we understood that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The Father and me are one. Somebody say amen. amen. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you, you, and the Father and me are one. Which means that earthly parents have a responsibility to reveal to their children who their Heavenly Father is. So what the question is, what is your revelation of your Heavenly Father? I would love for you to open your Bibles to John which this month is my favorite book. John chapter 8, verse 31 says this, then, the, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, he's not talking to unbelievers, he's talking to believers, people who actually believed him. And he says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Come on. Isn't that amazing? If you abide in my word, and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's something about knowing the truth. See that word truth, means is the the Greek word aletheia, not althea, aletheia okay and althea wished that this was the meaning of her name but aletheia and aletheia means the reality of God, are you with me? so when, when we say the truth shall set you free we're saying the reality of who God is right now sets me free But what is he setting you free from? I thought Jesus already set you free. I thought Jesus already set you free. Are you with me? So the truth sets you free. You are my disciples if you abide in my word. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So before being free, there's something called abiding in my... A lot of us want to be free, but we don't want the abiding part. See, we must understand that God is a progressive God. I and mean, if what that means is Who God is to you today, based on the circumstances in your life, will change tomorrow based on the circumstances in your life. Who God is to me today will change based on who He needs to be to me tomorrow. But the question is, do you change when He changes? See, religion is a misrepresentation of who your heavenly father is to people. So if you're not moving, you're not progressing in revelation of your heavenly father, when he's progressing, you will reveal a stagnant God to people. Some people say, well, you know, Pastor John, I'm religious. What you're basically saying is that your revelation of God is the same yesterday and today. And you're living in the past. And that's absolutely okay for some people for a certain season of time. But if you want to be set free, you've got to know the truth. You've got to know the truth. That word know in Greek is the word genosis. And what it means is to have first hand personal experience of truth which means a first hand experience that I have of God from a simple revelation could be completely different to your first hand revelation and experience of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But who he is to you today will change based on your circumstances, situation. And I'll get into it a little bit and you'll understand it clearer. But you must understand what Jesus is trying to say to you and me today is if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. If you abide in my word. And I want to I show you what that means, that word abide. The word abide means to remain. It means to to stay. It means I wait for. But it also means to become. Are you ready? Are you ready? The word abide means to remain as one is. It means to not become like another. So what Jesus is trying to say to us, when I say to remain as one, I'm talking about one as in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not remain as you are. When he's talking about abide in my word, he's saying remain as one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is. I don't know if you love the word, but I love the word. So what Jesus is trying to say to us, when you abide, you remain as he is. You make a choice to remain as he is. What is the reality of God to you right now? So abiding in the word does not have anything to do with position. It has everything to do with your identity. When he says, abide in my word, he's not talking about you going into a place and remaining in that place. But he's actually talking to you and me and he's saying, abide. I want you to make a choice to become the word you're reading. And I'm not talking about, wow, you know, Pastor John, there's so many words in the Bible. There's a lot of becoming. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about become the son. Your identity is sonship. He's saying when you you want the truth to set you free, the reality of God, you can't see the reality of God until you become the son. See, Jesus says, I am the way. There's nobody else. There's no other religious leader. There's no other God or mini God or any other religion that says that points the way to the Father. They point to works. And says if you do these works, if you give so much to charity, if you pray so many times, if you fast so much, if you meditate so much, you can now have access to God and God is appe- God is angry first and foremost. That's why you need to do all these things in order to appease him. After that, maybe 20 years later, you can get some sort of peace and some sort of blessings from God. And people have believed this lie because they're not in their right identity as sons first. When you understand that you start first as a son, you're not a human being, ladies and gentlemen. When you get saved, God has transformed you and into the image and likeness of the. So when you're reading scripture, you shouldn't be reading scripture as a human being. You shouldn't be reading scripture as John, best of it. Or you shouldn't be reading scripture as a pastor or a leader or a dad or a mom. You should be looking at the scripture as the son. See, it is only when you have your identity in the right place that is when the father reveals the truth of who he is. Are you okay? Because you can consume a lot of knowledge about God. A lot of us, there are people in this room who probably know more about God than I do. And it's absolutely okay. I'm not intimidated by it. I would I, I massive kudos to you. Phenomenal. But the question is how much of your life has changed? Because knowledge can puff up, even knowledge of God. Even knowledge of religion, even knowledge of all the greatest encyclopedias and and all the the books that you can read and, you know, all of that stuff. You can read the Bible from cover to cover, quote all the verses from back to front. But you are not transformed. And only reason why you're not transformed is because at the beginning stage of, of your renewal, you need to start as a... You need to start as a... But not just a son. You need to start as the son. When I talk to you, I'm not talking to you as a human being. I'm talking to you as sons of God sitting in this room. I hope you understand that. If you're listening to the, to, to the word and you're, you're, you're thinking, oh man, how long is this guy going to go on for? And I can't wait because we have plans after. is Eid holidays. I'm falling asleep. Like the AC is just perfect right now. We're still, <laughs> we're still human beings. Because what I'm doing right now is I'm defining your identity that opens the door for you to access the reality of God. And that reality of God is what sets you free from your previous identities. So you and I can read a lot of scripture and we can get our head filled with all knowledge. But that knowledge does not have the ability to set you free. Even if it it is the knowledge of God. Because at the place, the gate that opens the door for you to experience transformation in your life, being set free is sonship. What is Jesus revealing to us today? He says, if you abide, which means the identity to to abide in sonship is your choice. Parents, children, everybody. It is your choice to remain in your identity as a son, as the son. And he says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you, you shall know the truth. If you abide, if you make the choice, you shall know the truth. If you abide in sonship as a son, you now begin to receive the truth, the reality of who the father is. The reality, not according to the lens of your earthly mom and dad, but or your pastor or your leader or whoever, your life coach, you have the lens of your heavenly father. When you begin to see him according to who he really is, now that begins to change the perspective of your life. It completely changes how you begin to look at circumstances and situations in your life. I'll ask you a question. Do you struggle with insecurity? If there's a person that is saying no, then you're lying to yourself. All of us in this room, you have to come to this place where you acknowledge that you do struggle with fear. You do struggle with insecurities. Come on now. And those insecurities become the lens through which we make decisions and choices in our lives. We struggle with things like rejection. Let me, let me say this now. Rejection is a choice that you choose to abide in. Oh, I went to that church and they rejected me. Sure, they said what they needed to say and they did what they needed to do. But the fact that you accepted rejection and felt rejected and sat down rejected and remained depressed is your choice. People can do whatever they want to do, man. <laughs> if you're secure in your identity, if you're not insecure, if you're secure in your identity as the son, ladies and gentlemen, who cares what government does? Who cares what people say? Who cares? You remain strong. You remain full of joy. See, to be full of joy is your choice. To be full of peace is your choice. To allow people to dictate what happens in your life is your choice. You allow people to make you depressed. You make that choice. You're the one that makes the choice grumbling. Oh man, I got to go to work today. Oh my God. You're making that choice. Rejection, depression, oppression, all the whatever shins you want to put in that place, all of it is a personal choice. It, you cause it to make it your identity, oh, I'm depressed, oh, I'm sick. No, you're not sick, you're the son. You're not depressed, you're the son. Somebody say this, I'm the son. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm the son. So what is the truth that Jesus says that sets you free? The truth is not just the reality of God. The truth is your identity as the Son. Come on somebody. What is the truth that sets you free? It is your identity as the Think about this. When you're going through a storm in your life, what does the son do? He goes to? He goes to sleep. For those of you who don't not not used to the Bible stories, Jesus was in a boat in a storm and the disciples were frantically trying to get Jesus to wake up to, you know, And Jesus was a? hmm. So when you look at your identity, if you're running to people for prayer with your prayer request, you're running to the pastor, please pray for me. When you get that doctor's report, right? Are you in your right identity? Now, I'm not saying that you, 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 you're not dependent on a community. You are. But in this community, we are all powerful. Every single one of you is powerful. Why? Because you are transformed into the image and likeness of the sun. So when you're in the middle of a storm, instead of allowing the storm and the doctor's report and the debt and all of that stuff, all the bad choices to cause you to go to people for prayer... Do what the sun does. He's an absolute peace in the middle of a storm. When you are in your right identity as sons, it sets you free from the identity. Listen to me very carefully. It sets you free from the identity of your humanity let me let me let me show this to you verse 33 these are the jews now they answered him we are abraham's descendants you see the issue there he's talking to them about their identity and he and they're telling him listen We are Abraham's descendants. I am the son of so-and-so. You don't understand. I know who my father is. I know which country I came from. You see what they're doing? They're revealing their identity. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage. Wow. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? You see that the battle here is really not about, oh, you know, you're in, bond, you're in chains now, uh, come for in sin issues, and I'm here now, the truth, you receive the truth, the truth will set you free from those chains. I've I've witnessed people, Christians in church, who had issues, sin issues in their life. They were struggling with pornography, smoking, drinking, all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I, I, it, you decide what, what is sin to you. They got saved. They gave their life to Jesus through an emotional altar call with the keyboard playing and the guy is speaking like that. They gave their life to Jesus and then we went back home and they're still struggling with it. So what is he talking about here? Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides Four? Come on now. He's not even trying to deal with your sin issues. We made it so much about, oh man, I feel so guilty because I did this, I cheated, I swore, I did, I smoked, I drank, I did all of this stuff. And God is not even interested in it because he's already communicating to you from your divinity. And he says a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be? They're saying, hey, listen, Abraham's our father. Why? Because Abraham received promises. And then through Abraham now, we've got the covenants and we've got the, um, the, the Abraham's covenant, Mosaic covenant, Davidic covenant. We go through all these covenants. We've got the tabernacle. We've got all the sacrifices. We've got so many prayers to do. We've got kosher stuff to eat and all that kind of stuff. And we want to make ourselves righteous before God. You don't understand. We've got these promises. We are of Abraham's descendants. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, listen, you are a descendant of your heavenly father. See, this is the hard, this is truth. Why would you say, my God shall supply all of my needs? And why do you clap when you say that? Why, why, why? Why does He need to even care for you? Unless you are His? I don't know if you're getting it. See, most of your daddy-mommy issues that you carry into your life, get sorted out when you understand that your heavenly father doesn't have those issues. Your heavenly father doesn't manipulate you. Your heavenly father doesn't control you. Your heavenly father is not control. Ah, you, you, you do this now, I'm going to take your phone away from you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. We create a system of punishment even though we're still saved. We say we're free, but we imprison people around us. Why? Because we don't approve of your behavior. Why somehow we believe that I've been doing everything right. I have lived perfect. You cannot drink, you cannot smoke, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. And then now you wonder why you're alone. As a Christian, God <laughs> sent you into the world. So if you're around people who are drinking, smoking, having issues, sleeping around, all that kind of stuff, you're in the right place. God so loved the The world wasn't perfect when He loved it. If you are being transformed into the image and likeness of the son, guess where he's going to send you? To people who are struggling. So that you can now display to them from your identity who your heavenly father is so that they can see who their heavenly father is. Are you with me? Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. You will know that you are free when you start processing every moment of your life as the son. When you and I got saved, when you started believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God rescued you Please listen to me very carefully. God rescued you out of the limitations of your humanity and brought you into the freedom of divinity. Freedom. We don't live. So when you and I read the scripture, when you and I read the Bible, the lens through which we read scripture should be sonship. If you want to have a revelation of the Father, you need to read your scripture through the lens of the Son. Which means the Son is looking at the Father in His Word. If he says the Father and me are one, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I'm going to pose that question to you. Do you believe that about you? See, because the more you read Scripture, Scripture just does not reveal more of God to you. Scripture reveals more of you to you. Just think about what I'm saying right now. When you're reading the Scripture, you have, God, I want more of you. How much more can you handle of God? He's given you everything already. God, I want more of you. You know that that statement is from a place that God said, "Okay, I'm going to hold back a little. I'm not going to give him everything. I'm going to wait for him to ask me and then I'm going to give him a little titbit of who I am." I think I work with that crowd, the better. When you read your scripture, when you read the Bible? Is your identity being formed or is your head being filled with knowledge? You doing good, good. I like this, good. I'll stay here a little bit longer. See, because a lot of us want to know more about God. Tell me more about God. Somehow, if I find out more about God, it makes me feel something's different about me. But actually, when you start looking into God, you're actually seeing who you are. Are you with me? You begin to see who you are, who He created you to be, whom the Son is. You're looking into a mirror, ladies and gentlemen, and that mirror does not reveal your humanity. It reveals who God transformed you into. You look, you're looking at who you've already become. So when you're reading scripture, if your heart's desires are like, God, I want to know you more. Let's let's say you've figured out that God is a healer. Wow, God is a healer, but He's distant from you until you step into the place of the healer and heal somebody. Are you with me? If you don't know that you're a son, you will get to know about God. You won't have a first hand experience of him as a father until you realize that you're a you will know him as God, but not as father. If he provides for you, if he heals, you're praying for somebody and somebody gets healed, and oh wow, God healed somebody. Yeah, no, no, (laughs) when you pray for somebody to get healed. From a place, an identity of sonship, now you know my heavenly father heals somebody. You see the difference? The difference is when you are looking from your, at the scripture and you're looking at revelation and the reality of God from your humanity, God is distant. See, we have so many Christians in the world running around as orphans trying to do things in order for their father to, you know, to, to impress people, to get opportunities to preach, to, to lead worship, to be on a band, to be creative. We're trying to do something because when we, we, we want people to be impressed. We want to have a name for ourselves. But when you look at scripture, when we look at Jesus' life, he's like, listen, I came to reveal the father. Just imagine leading worship now and you're standing here as, as, as the son. What is your responsibility? It's to reveal the father. So every single person that looks at you is looking at the? Why? Because you've become the son. Now just imagine you sitting over there now. Don't imagine you are sitting there but you know what I mean. Sitting there as the son. Receiving revelation. Not from a place of oh you know i've received revelation good word pastor john clap hands once in a while but you know good word pastor john you know really good message i'm glad so i'm glad i came to church today on the holidays you know but on the other days you know i, I, I you know <laughs> but today i came and then this message set me free did it now what did it set you free from Oh, that message was awesome. Was it that awesome? Was it that awesome that you stepped away from this place knowing that you're the son? You're listening as a son, you're listening to your father communicate to you. It's not just another message, ladies and gentlemen. Your father is communicating to you about your identity. See, we want to talk about the Father, the Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God. You can listen to every message about Father God and He'll still be uh, uh, far from you until you understand that you're a son. I want to know my Father. I'm sitting here because I have a desire to know my Heavenly Father. See, a lot of us have different revelations of our Heavenly Father and that's absolutely okay. How I experience God as a father is not the same. Why? Because he's progressive. And in Christ- Christians, especially in churches, have been offended and hurt when the God that John preaches about is not the God that you believe. Because the circumstances in which God placed me in order for me to experience a breakthrough is not your circumstance. give you an example. When we were in Central Asia a couple of weeks ago, on the last day was a free day. We had an eight-day trip. On the last day was a free day. So our friends said, okay, we're going to take you uh, to, you know, the mountain uh, over there. And it's a big mountain, 3,800 meters. That's 12,000 feet high. So when they said that to me, when they said it's 3,800 meters a chill went down my spine. He said, we're going to go up to that place and we're going to go on these gondolas, you know, these things that, that, you know, that are on wires, you know, these little boxes that are up in the air. So I said, so I asked the question, "Is is the peak up there or do we have to go up there? He said, no, we're all going up there. And so now you must understand the the fear, when you have fear in your life, it's because you don't trust that you're a son. When you have any fear, even if it's fear of a spider or a cockroach, fear is fear. Uh, come on now. This crowd is very sure. Can I stay here? Because I, I think you need help. Any fear is fear. Fear of the dark, cockroaches, spiders, lizards, mice. Anything, anything is fear. You know when when you when you get afraid? You know why you get afraid? It's because you don't believe that you're a son and that your heavenly father loves you and will protect you and take care of you. Wow, you clap for fear more than you clap for revelation. All right, all right, we work with it. We'll, uh, now I know. Look, that is also the law. But the law is coming out of you, which is, which is good. This is good. So when, when, when he said, we're going up here, literally fear went down my spine and I knew I was in trouble. Because now, you know, I am the man of God, prophesied over so many people, healed so many people. You know, Kasa did all that kind of stuff, preached, oh, oh, I'm the man, you know. And now they said, we're going up in that thing and we're going to go there 12,000 feet or 3,800 meters. I was, I panicked on the inside, but I've got to show people that I am. Sure. <laughs> hmm. You know, there's a, there's a vast difference between Kelsey and me. Kelsey doesn't think. She says, yes, let's go. I think and then I say, let's go. They're all laughing because you do exactly the same thing that I do. And so growing up, you must understand, growing up, When I was a a little boy, I used to sit on, we we lived on a six or seven story building apartment when I was growing up and I loved going to the top. Somehow I felt closer to God, okay? There were no railings and and I would sit on the, the, the balcony, on the rooftop. I would sit on the balcony and I would sit there and I would just dream and I would pray. And I would. the wind would be so awesome. And I'd look at little people on the floor like, wow, man, you know, that's awesome, awesome. But somehow from that to now, when people say, hey, we're going up 3,800 feet, how did fear enter in? It's because Somehow, someday, we're around people who began to say, I'm afraid of heights. Oh, I'm afraid of heights. We see mom and dad not doing something, so now it automatically becomes our fear because now they are put in a position that they have to overcome their fear in order for us to now not have that fear. And so now, I had to put on a mask. Not like you, but you know what I mean. A bravery mask. And so now we've driven, we have to drive up to the place and then go up. So driving up itself was like, I was like, oh my goodness, where are we going? Why is everything so small down there? You know, and so anyway, we reached the place and I'm pretending now to take photos and videos and I don't want anybody to talk to me because, you know, I'm panicking on the inside. We we are so you know. Anyway, so now the time came when the the gondola came, and now Kelsey's the first one to jump in. And as soon as she jumped in, I was like, okay, dude, I'm just gonna, Jesus, into your hands I commend my spirit. Whatever happens, Lord, I'm. You know, this is the end of it. I at least did ministry trip, I did missions, and you know all that kind of stuff. At least I served you well. So whatever. And so I sat now and now I'm sitting here, Kelsey's on my right, pastor's daughter next to me, pastor's son on the side, pastor's wife right in front of me and another boy. And now we're going up like this. We're not even, it's not like I'm, you know, they're looking at me, I'm looking at them and I'm looking beyond them. And so I'm sitting there now. And you know, these, these gondolas, when they, when they go up, they pass a, they pass a pole, and they make this noise. Do, 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 do. I thought we were gonna fall. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. and so I started sweating. And so Kelsey can see my hands now. She's sweating. She's looking at me. She's like, "You okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love this. Wow, you know, awesome. <laughs> Such a fake Christian, really." And so, while now I'm in this panic mode, and my heart—it's like a heavy metal, you know, drama. It's like oh, this is all this happening right now. My emotions all over the place. I want to jump out, but I can't jump out because it's too high. I just want to go home. That's in my mind. I just want to go home. I just want to. Go. I want to escape. I want to escape. I want to escape. You see, fear causes you to want to escape. And that's when I heard my heavenly Father's voice. He laughed he laughed he said John what are you doing he said father you put me in this place he said yeah I put you in this place for you to understand how good I am to you I put you in this place for you to see how much I love you I said what do you mean he says you're my son Do you think that I would allow a gondola to take your life from you? Do you think your purpose that I have for your life is so small that a a snake or a spider or a cockroach can take it away from you? Do you think that your life does not matter to me? I sent you here. And so in that moment, the father began to reveal to me not who he is. He's revealing to me who I am. And it is in that moment I felt the father embrace me. Why? Because I chose to embrace sonship. I chose to embrace that I am a son. I'm not just another human being now. I am his son. I am his son. And it is only in that place that I began to experience the Father's embrace. See, a lot of us have been crying out, I want to know God. I want to know God. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying every day. I'm listening to worship music and I'm going to church. I'm giving my tithes and offerings. But somehow... I don't have a personal revelation of God as my father. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit this to you. That you will receive the reality of God as a father and you will receive his embrace into your life. You will experience his love only when you understand that you are his son. When we look to the scriptures, we see in Luke chapter 15, we see that we see the parable of Jesus talking about the the prodigal son, and all of us know the story. We've, people have preached it; we we, we know it. But I want to point out one verse to you in this whole thing. For those of you who are new here, the parable of the of the lost son or the prodigal son is that a certain man had two sons, and the youngest one came to the father and said. Father, give me what is due to me. So the father does not give him his inheritance. Now please listen to me. The father gives him a portion of his livelihood. So if the father was a businessman, because to father, the father to give him his inheritance, the father should be dead. But the father is still alive, which means he's a businessman. He's still working. He's still producing things and still making money. And so the father now gives him a portion of his livelihood. And so the son takes it, goes to another country and blows all the cash off, lives the life that he wants to live. And then one day he loses all his money and there's a famine in the land and he's in dire straits. And so now the son says this. Actually, let me read from verse 14. It says it. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him to his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. Now, this is the verse that I want you to listen to very carefully. But when he came... To himself, verse 17, when he came to himself, another version of the Bible says, when he came to his right mind, what does that mean? It means when he came to his identity as a son. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your, one of your hired servants. Which means his, he came to his right mind but he was settling for less. Does that sound familiar? That even though you're a Christian, that you make these prayers to God and you settle for less because you are so full of your mistakes. You're so full, you identify with all the flaws in your life. And you say to yourself, God, if only I can get 1,000 dirham increase in my salary, God, I will serve you. And God's like, I don't want to give you that because it's too less. Ask me like you are my son. Oh, come on, man. I don't know, man. Ricardo, I think I, 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 think you and I can preach this message and like really. Ask me like a son. Don't ask me like a human being. Oh, come on. <laughs> I am no longer worthy to be called your son. God, I am not worthy of your love. God, forgive me. I am not worthy. No. Stop it. You are worth it. Then he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. See, the father did not run to the son after he prayed his prayer. The father did not. The father was not even interested in your confession and your repentance. Please don't make it a doctrine that says, oh, Pastor John said, don't confess your sin, don't repent. You know, just stop it now. Listen to what I'm saying. You're a son. Whom the Father fully loves. The Father's not looking at your sin and your flaws when it's time for you to get blessed. He's not listening to your repentance and your crying and you calling yourself lesser than what He has called you to be. When you and I come into a place where we identify ourselves as unworthy, identify ourselves as Always a sinner, forever a sinner. I am such a sinner. Guess what? You have no access to God as a father. But when you're in the kingdom of God, you have full access to your heavenly father when you fully believe that you're a son talking to his father. Blameless, righteous, Holy, justified, sanctified, as if you have never ever sinned before. And the father, when he sees his son afar off, he realizes my son is coming home. He's not coming home to confess his sins now. He's not coming home because he's made a mistake. The father doesn't even know he made a mistake. Those days there was no internet, there was no social media. So nobody put a post, I'm with pigs right now, I'm eating, I don't have any food right now. The father did not know. But when the father saw the son walking and coming, he ran to him. Your heavenly father is running to you today. Your father can't wait for you to open your eyes when you sleep. you open your eyes in the morning because he wants to engage with you. Not as a, not as a human being, but as his son. As a son, as a son. And the father runs to him and he embraces him and he kisses him. And the son now does his practiced speech. You know, we in church, we teach you the five steps of confession, five steps of repentance, five steps of how to get right with God. Father not interested in it. He doesn't even respond to his confession, doesn't even respond to his repentance. He just tells his servants, go bring the best robe, go bring the best ring, put sandals on his feet. My son, which was dead, has now alive. My son who was blind can now see. He's not talking about anything else. He's talking about you can now see yourself as a son. When we talk about salvation, I I gave my life to Jesus. I believed in God. I gave my life to Jesus. What are you saying? You were dead as a human being. Far from God. But when he rescued you, he made you alive. And he brought you into his kingdom as his son. As his son when you're in the middle of a storm when you're in the middle of a life crisis when you have someone who is sick or you're sick in your body or you've run out of finances or or something terrible is happening in your life how do you process your identity in that moment Do you feel weak? Do you feel like God has abandoned you? Do you feel like, ah, I believed in what this man was saying or this woman was saying. I believed it, but now I'm not experiencing it. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why you're not experiencing it is because of sonship. Your heavenly father is not controlling you. In fact, your heavenly father is carefully placing you in a gondola going up 12,000 feet so that he can reveal that you're his son. So if you were to look at the circumstances in your life, God is not trying to show show you that he is mighty and powerful. He doesn't have to show you anything. The fact that you experience a breakthrough should reveal to you that you experience it because of your identity as a son. For far too long, we have we've cried out and we've like, ah, I feel bad about myself. I'm depressed. I, I did this, I, I'm suicidal, I, I have the, all these issues. Why do you need to be there? We make a choice to be there. We make a choice out of stubbornness to remain where we are. We put pressure on people to be godlike when we choose not to be sun-like. When I think about that, that gondola today, when I think about flying in an airplane, taking off and landing, and when the plane goes, you know, like that, and you feel like I don't know, but I feel like I'm falling off my chair of my seat when the, when the plane does that, you know, when it's taking off. Pilots laugh at me, but it's OK. I realize something that my father loves me so much, that he is able to hold me in my seat. He's able to hold a plane and bring it through turbulence. He's able to hold a gondola when it's vibrating and shaking like it's about to fall 10,000 feet. He's able as a father to hold you gently and embrace you. See some of us have grown up in households where our dads never experienced God as a father. They never experienced their fathers being present in their life. They never experienced, mums and dads never experienced what it means to be fathered from perfect love. And so they have done their best and they chose to be providers rather than just fathers and mothers. And they chose to be present only when it's needed, not when you needed it. And some of us have, didn't have parents growing up. Some of us have lost our parents while we're growing up and we feel like, I've missed something in my life. I don't have this aspect of God as a father in my life. But I want to encourage you today that a heavenly father is your father. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you and He wants to take care of you. But you. even though He is providing for your needs, even though He is giving you all these breakthroughs, you will not appreciate it and you will not understand Him fully until you step into a place of sonship. And some of us have had fathers who express themselves Differently. And we as sons needed our fathers to do this for me, dad. Say that you love me. My father never said that he loved me, pastor. My father never hugged me. My father never held me close. He only gave me things and he did this for me and he did that for me. But he never came to my sports games and he never came to this and he never did this and he never did that. And we blame all the environments. But I want you to know that your parents did the best they could. But today, you are brought into a kingdom where you have the full right to be a son. See, I love my mom and dad. And I love my dad. He's awesome. But I never appreciated my dad until I chose to become a son. I never saw how much my father loved me until I chose to become a son. No matter what my dad said, no matter what my mom said, no matter what they did, I came away from rejection and I came away from all the stuff that happened in my life because I chose to become a son of my heavenly father who always loved me. And it is his love that revealed my earthly parents' love for me. So today you might be sitting in this room. You are, not might be. You are sitting in this room. (laughs) But you might have had a fatherless experience. You may have had an experience where your earthly father has never embraced you. Your earthly mom and dad have created circumstances and situations in your life where you've grown up insecure, where you've grown up with a lack of your identity, with a lack of worth. There is no self-worth in you. I want to encourage you today that the Father sees so much worth in you that He chose to die as you so that you can have direct access to him as a son. Direct access. Let's stand. Let's stand. I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. And I want you to pray this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, you are not far from me. You are in me. You are my Father. And today, I stand before you as your Son. Blameless, holy, righteous, just as if I've never sinned before. Father, I ask you to reveal to me who I am as a son so that I can see you I can experience you as my father. And say, Father, from this day on, I am free from my humanity. I am free from all the flaws that I had, all the mistakes that I made, all the mistakes that my parents made, all the mistakes that I made as a parent. Today I stand before you as a son. Blameless, holy, full of joy. Knowing that you love me. Knowing that you love me. Knowing that you love me. I have a great future because I am your son. All my bills are paid for. All my needs are met. All my fears are gone away. Because I am perfectly loved by you. I am your son. I am your daughter. I am your son. I am in your kingdom. The rights that Jesus has, I have those same rights. I am a child of God and from this day on, I will live my life the way Jesus lives his life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Awesome. 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 Father, we thank you for such an awesome day. We thank you for everyone that's gathered here today. Thank you for everybody that was serving today that made this experience possible. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you that every person who is sick in their bodies got healed today. All our family members who are experiencing the symptoms of COVID just got healed right now. Because we believe that the son is in perfect health today. Father, we thank you that our businesses are prospering because because we are your sons. Thank you that that the jobs that we're working in, the companies are prospering because we are your sons. Thank you that our families are prospering because of your son. We thank you, Father, that you will never leave us alone. You never forsake us. You are always with us. We thank you that the spirit of truth is within us, God. And so from this day on, We believe the truth that we are your sons. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you hug someone, love on somebody while we head out. Have a good day, everybody. Bless you.